Hey everybody, this is Pastor Cor Chavis. Thank you so much for checking us out today at Truth Chapel's podcast. If this word has blessed your spirit or encouraged you, take a moment and leave us a quick review. Also, check us out at truth-chapel.com or any of our social media outlets, Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. God bless, and I pray you enjoy. I want to turn your attention to the second book of Samuel, 2 Samuel, and I'll begin reading in verse, uh, in chapter 6, 2 Samuel chapter 6 and verse 1, 2 Samuel 6, verse 1, and when you have it, just say, I got it, if you don't have it, we probably have it for you, you can read along, again, David gathered together all the chosen men of Israel. 30,000. Good gracious. Not just men of Israel. Chosen men. These were set aside, set apart. And the Bible tells us again, that means this has happened before for different reasons, for different uh, campaigns, for different obstacles. But this time is special. Again, David gathered together the chosen men of Israel, 30,000. And David arose and went with all the people that were with him from Baal to Judah to bring up thence the ark of God. Hallelujah. We're bringing it back home. Whose name is called by the name of the Lord of hosts that dwelleth between the cherubims. And they set the ark of God upon a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab that was in Gibeah. And Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, drave the new cart, and they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was at Gibeah, accompanying the ark of God. And Ahio went before the ark, and David and all the house of Israel played before the Lord on all manner of instruments made of fir wood, even on harps and psalteries and timbrels, on cornets, on cymbals. And they came to Nashon's threshing floor. Uzzah and uh, when they came to Nashon's threshing floor, Uzzah put his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen shook it. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and God smote him there for his error. And there he died by the ark of God. Today, I would like to preach to you on this subject, and if you'll give me some time today, I want to take my time. Today, I want to preach to you on this subject, the priest and praise. The priest and the praise. Can we pray together right now, Lord? I thank you for your word. It's so good. It's so right. And I pray today, Lord, that you would speak to us through this word. I pray today, Lord, that you would encourage this church. I pray that you would change the very fabric of this church today through a word, through a message, Lord. I pray that your glory would be revealed in this house, God, because we don't want to do it without your glory. I pray today that you would speak to us and God, don't let us just be hearers of the word, but let us also be doers of the word and we'll be so careful to give you the praise, the glory, and the honor. Would you put your hands together now? Somebody shout in Jesus' name. Shout it again in Jesus' name. And you can be seated in the presence of the Lord. If you know the history of Israel and God's people, then this will come as no surprise to you because just a few weeks ago I preached a message here entitled Ichabod, 
has a brother. And if you uh, have ever heard that message before, um, or, or, or you listened a couple weeks ago where I think we, I did that, uh, I preached to a camera on that Sunday. Um, and so if you heard that message, then you're aware of this story. You are aware that um, in 1 Samuel chapter 4, the Ark of the Covenant was lost. It was taken into a battle with wrong intentions. It was taken into the battle because the people of God seen it as a genie in the bottle that would get them out of a bunch of mess. And so they brought the glory, the Ark of the Covenant, which that's what the Ark of the Covenant represents, the glory, the power, and the presence of God. They, they took that Ark of the Covenant into battle prematurely and with wrong motives. And when they brought the Ark of the Covenant into battle, hopefully, helpfully, help them win the, the fight, they lost the Ark of the Covenant to the Philistines. The Philistines took the Ark of the Covenant from them, they captured it, they kidnapped it, they stole it. And this is why Ichabod's mother named him Ichabod because it means the glory of the Lord has left Israel. There was no glory in Israel. This was not just, this was not... <clears throat> Just about glory, though, if we go back to 1 Samuel chapter 3, we will see that the Bible tells us in 1 Samuel 3, 1, that the child ministered before Eli, and the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. And we know that where there is no vision, the people perish. Amen. So there was no vision in 1 Samuel chapter 3. Now we have no glory in 1 Samuel chapter 4. We lost the vision, and now we lost the glory. That's why it's very important for you to be here on February 6th. I don't know if I've told you that today or not. It's important to be here on February uh, the 6th because vision is the power of a church. Because if you make the vision plain, you can run with it. Amen. And so we try to every year make the vision plain because God's people cannot run with a foggy vision. And the vision, if it, if it makes the people perish because of the lack of it, then it should make the people prosper because of it. Amen? They lost vision and now they've lost the glory. Now, this is a whole other message that I preach, but I want to make something very plain to you here is that in 1 Samuel 3, we lose vision. In 1 Samuel 4, we lose the glory. But in 1 Samuel 13, the Bible tells us that there was no smith found in all of Israel. And when there was no swords except the sword of Jonathan and Saul. And if the people of God wanted to sharpen their plowshares, they had to go to the enemy's camp and let them sharpen it for them. So we lost the vision. We lost the glory, and now in the entire country of Israel, there's no one who can form a sword. No smith. That's what a smith is. A smith, it, it, it forges iron into swords, into battle. You see, here's what the enemy wants to do to the church. The enemy wants to steal vision, take glory, and destroy the preacher. 
the wielder of the word of God. Now, this is going to be a little bit different message today, but I feel it in the Holy Ghost. You need to know that your pastor is under attack. Listen, he wants to mess with my vision so that he can steal the glory of this church and that way no good word can come across this pulpit. No, no sword. You see, when I look at churches that may have a lot more people sitting in them today, they look good and really they sound good. They look amazing, they sound amazing, but when the smith comes to the pulpit to wield the sword, there is no word. It's just sermonettes for Christianettes. It's just life lessons on how to be a good person. But there's no talk of hell or heaven or sin or shame. I don't want to be in a church where the man of God cannot wield the sword of God. I need vision so that we can have glory so that somebody can preach the unadulterated word of God. Amen. We need a word. Let me tell you what you need in your life. You need a word. Let me tell you what your family needs. A word. Let me tell you what your marriage needs. A word. Let me tell you what your finances need. A word. It needs a word from God. And how can they hear if they don't have a preacher? We need the preached word of God. We need the word of God. I'm thankful for the music. And, and listen, I can opine on this because I, I used to be them. My, my entire ministry until I was 25, 26 years old was just music. I didn't really preach. I was just a musician. I played and I sang and I led worship. That was my life. That was my talent. That was my gifting. But it wasn't my calling. I was gifted in it, but I wasn't called to it. I was called to preach. And I waited later into my life to start preaching. And so I respect everything that the, the, the worship team does. I don't want to take anything away from that. But if all you're going to do is have music and songs and singing, then the soul cannot be touched. It's not even biblical. The Bible didn't say, for the Lord hath chosen the foolishness of singing to save them that believe. No, no. He said he chose the foolishness of preaching to say, I'm glad for the song. It gets the heart ready, but we need the seed of the word. We need a word from a man of God. Somebody shout yes. David was infatuated with the glory. David was uh, taken aback by the glory. He wanted the Ark of the Covenant. He wanted to have God's presence near him. He wasn't just satisfied letting it happen without glory. If you know the story, then you understand that from the time Saul became king over Israel, the Ark of the Covenant was not even in their possession. Do you understand that? Do, do, do you understand that when Saul became king, when they put the crown on his head inside the tabernacle, there was no ark. And Saul was okay being king with no ark. Listen, there was still priests. There were still prophets. There was still the order of the Levitical priesthood, but there was no ark behind the veil. It was empty. 
And Saul was content to go about life with no glory in the tabernacle. Behind the veil, there was no glory. Saul was just trying to run a business. He, but there was no glory involved. Now, see, some of y'all may be able to, to uh, testify with me today. But if all we're going to do is have church, count me out. Like, like if we just coming together to see one another and just smile and be happy, like I'm cool with that. But I'm churched out. I'm good. I'm churched up. If, if going to church, if, if there's a quota for going to church, I have met that quota. If all it takes to go to heaven is go to church, I'm good. I can leave now, never come back. I'm, I'm getting in. Because when I was a kid, I had a drug problem. Yeah. I got drugged to church on Sunday morning. I got drugged to church on Sunday night. I got drugged to Monday night family prayer. I got drugged to Wednesday night Bible study. I got drugged to Friday night youth service. I got drugged to Saturday morning knocking on doors. And then on Sunday, we started the whole drugging all over again. Now, some of y'all can raise your hand and testify. I know what that's like. Yeah. So I'm good with going to church. Like, the church is fine. And, and if all we're going to do is just have church, then, then I don't know if I'm okay continuing that. What I need you to know is, if all we're going to do is come together, sing a few songs, have a sermonette for Christianettes, all go home and feel good about ourselves, then I'm out. But if the glory will show up, if God's presence will come into the room. You see, I'm not satisfied just having church. No, I want an experience. This is more than just gathering. Gathering is a part of it. But it's more than just gathering. It's an experience with God that you can only get where two or three gather together. He said, I'll be in the midst of them. If he ain't going to be in the midst, then let's all go home. But if he's going to be here, I'm in. I'll come every day of the week if he's going to be here. I want to have church where people get out of wheelchairs and blinded eyes are open and marriages are put back together and hearts are mended and lives are changed and the drug addicts come off drugs and the alcoholics come off of alcohol and the prodigal sons come through the door and the prodigal daughters come through the door and the unsaved wife is saved and the unsaved husband is saved. I want to have glory. God, give us back the glory. I want glory in the house. I want glory every service. I want glory on Wednesday night Bible study. I, listen, I loved it this morning when I felt the glory move in on Bible study. Was you here this morning when the glory came in just for a little bit, peeped his head and said, oh, they talking about me. Did you feel it this morning at Bible study when the glory, that's what I want. I'm not just here to hear. I'm not just here to learn, but I'm here to experience. Don't just tell me what God can do. Show me what God can do. Demonstrate what God can do. Let it happen, Lord. If you're going to do it anywhere, do it here. If it's going to happen anywhere, let it happen here. If you're going to show out anywhere, let it be at Truth Chapel. I'm not okay having church without the glory. I want it.
I pray for it. I desire it. That's why when I text you, I text you, I say, come expecting. I'm trying to ignite something in you. It's more than a text. It's more than a text. It's a, it's a directive. Just come. Just get your heart right, man. Get your, get your mind right. Come in the door like God's about to do something today. I don't know what it's going to do, but he's going to do something. Because the spirit of expectation is the birthplace of the miraculous. Yeah. The spirit of expectation is the birthplace. That's where it begins. It begins in the fertile ground of expectation. David couldn't do it. David said, look, I can't be having no tabernacle, no glory. I can't. <laughs> I can't have this. We need to go get the glory. And so for, for many, many years, over 30 years, Abinadab and his sons have held the glory in their home. Here's what you need to know is that Saul could have got it at any time without raising a sword. Here's what, just get this in your head. The Philistines no longer had it. It was at Abinadab's house. All they had to do was go get it. Listen, the enemy couldn't keep it. They tried to. They brought it into their tabernacle, set it down. Well, man, see them in the morning. The next morning they came in and their gods had failed and were broken. And they said, well, we'll put it over here. And all of a sudden everybody got sick. Disease broke out. Finally, finally the enemy said, look, y'all can have this back. The enemy cannot control the glory. I, I, I don't know how, how much more I could say it, but can I preach here for just a moment? The devil has no bearing on what this church can have in the glory. I don't care what's happening outside today. I don't care what this world is going through. I don't care what's happening out there among the politics and the division and the craziness. Listen, when inside here, the enemy can't handle the glory. He can't hold it. He can't take it. If we want the glory, all we got to do is go get it. If we want it, listen to me, Truth Chapel. If we want it, we don't even have to fight for it. All we got to do is go get it. Just go get it. They go to Abinadab's house and they, and they get it. Here's the problem. David, David was too young to know what it looked like when it moved. Oh, that's why we need our elders. To all the white hairs and no hairs in the house. There's young people sitting in this room. They've never seen it move before. Not like you have. There's 15, 16, 13-year-old kids sitting in this house today. They've never seen it move like we saw it move. Not yet. But, but here's what the word tells me. We need to wake up, elders. Let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. We can sit here and romanticize what happened in yesteryear. Or we can read that scripture. And we can say that the, that the latter rain is going to be greater than the former rain. Yeah, that's what that word tells me. The word tells me that what's about to come is going to make what used to happen pale in comparison. Off of the Holy Ghost right there. David had never seen it move. 
David didn't know how to move it because he had never actually seen the glory move before. And so he tried to do what this generation tries to do, and they put it on a cart because he thought technology would be the best way to get it. And, and, and I love all these lights, but it ain't the glory. And we got a real cool app that you need to download, but it ain't the glory. And, and, and Brother Gary and them back there working hard every Sunday to give everybody sitting at home a great experience. But baby, put your coffee down and come to church because that ain't the glory. I appreciate all that, but it's not the glory. Technology will never bring the glory into a church. I don't care how sharp it is, how nice it is, how clean it is, how good it looks. You can only get the glory a couple ways. And there's no way to get the glory by bringing it in on technology. Yeah. You can't hype it up enough. Uh, listen, I've been, in, I've been in places before that had the lights, the cameras, the smoke rolling, and God really moved there. He really did. His glory was there. None of that stuff had the bearing that could stop God's glory from really moving if you really wanted to move. None of it. It didn't stop it. Now, I've seen preachers get up and preach all about it, but when they have a conference, they set it all up. It blows my mind. Oh, yeah. There's whole denominations that preach against lights and cameras and all this smoke, and then they have a conference, and they bring in the cameras and the lights and the big screens. And, the, and I'm like, but you just preach against that. I'm, just, I'm totally blown away. It has no bearing on the glory. Zero. The people in the room have the bearing. Let me tell you why. Because if God can move in a garage with five people who are praying, he can move in a big old church with cool lights and smoke and all that. Yeah, he can. He can do it. Listen, in the holy place, there wasn't nothing but ten candlesticks. That's a, that, that is the setting of a mood. Yeah. David doesn't know how to move it because he hasn't seen it move. Somehow, I don't know, the, the scripture is not exactly clear on how it all come around. But they left, when, when, when Uzzah touched that ark and God killed him, it troubled David. And David said this, you can read it in the scripture, I don't have time to go because I'm, I'm trying to hurry here. The scripture said that David said, now how will the ark come to me? How would the glory come to me? He was, he was hurt. David felt like I'm doing a good thing here, and it didn't work. And he felt like God was mad at him. And, 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 and David was heartbroken that he couldn't bring the glory home. He wasn't trying to do something wrong, but there is a process. There is a procedure. You, sometimes people have great intentions. That's why I'm very, very slow. If, if, if you know me and, and we've talked about things like this, I'm very slow to judge other churches, other ministries, other things. I'm, I'm very slow to judge. I, I, I try not to do that mess. I don't want nobody judging me. And sometimes people just don't know. And they're just trying the best they know how. David was just trying the best he knew how, and he angered God. And he was a man after God's own heart. 
trying to do the right thing just in the wrong way. And so they left the ark in the house of Obed-Edom. And somehow, later on, somebody came to David and said, man, have you heard about Obed-Edom? David said, what about Obed-Edom? He said, man, Obed is blessed. That man, he grew corn last week. Them, them, them shocks was that long. I mean, it was crazy. His, his, his dogs is having puppies. His cats is having kittens. His wife done had three kids since we left there. I'll tell you right now, his grass is so green. Listen, not even Obed, but his neighbors. His neighbors' puppies, dogs are having puppies and cats are having kittens and, and cows are having calves. I mean, it's crazy. He is blessed. The Bible said it, it blessed David's heart to hear that Obed was blessed. You know why? Because he knew that God wasn't mad. He said, wait a minute. You mean the ark's not killing people? It's blessing people? He said, yeah, yeah, it wasn't, that, it wasn't that I was mad at you. It was just that you handled me wrong. You just can't handle God in your kind of way. He said, it wasn't that I was trying to stop you from moving me. I was just trying to remind you of how I move. I want to move, but I, I have to move in the right way. I can't just come in in your kind of way. It's got to be right. And so I don't, I don't know how it happened, but the Bible tells us in, Samuel, in 2 Samuel 6 and beginning in verse 12, and it was told King David saying, the Lord had blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that pertaineth unto him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom into the city of David with gladness. Now watch it here in verse 13. And it was so that when they that bear the ark of the Lord had gone six paces. So it doesn't really give us the exact detail, but we can read through the scripture. We know that this ark ain't on a cart no more. Because they that bear it. You know what David had to do? David had to go find somebody who had seen the ark move and say, hey, how do we carry the glory? And somebody told him, listen, here's what we need to do. I've seen it happen way, way back in my day. I was just a little boy. When they brought that ark out onto the battlefield and lost it with the Philistines. I was just a small child. It was just a youth camp back in 1975. But I saw the glory cloud of sin. Anybody? Come on, somebody. I seen it. I, I was just young. But I saw God do something unbelievable. And somebody somewhere told David, David, this is how you get the glory from one place to another. This is how you bring the glory into your house. Is you have to have priests. You gotta have men of God. You can't carry it on a cart. It must be carried on the shoulders of the priest. Oh, hallelujah. Mm. You see, I'm I really wish I could preach this thing like I feel it today. He said, if you if you really want God to come in. If you want to have a renaissance of the glory of God back established in the house of God, then you need men of God. 
who will get underneath the weight of the glory. We, we, we can't let technology do it. We can't let animals do it. We can't let anybody. The only people who can really carry this thing in is if a man of God will get under the weight of this thing and bring it in under the power of his own might. God said the only way I move is on the back of burdened ministry. I need ministry who will pick up the burden and carry it. Can I preach to you today? What you feel in this room today did not come because we cracked open a can in the back and let it out. No, it came under the weight of it came under the weight and the pressure of ministry and prayer and work and mistakes and re-mistakes, getting it right and working it out. We didn't read no book and say abracadabra could do, let it happen. No, no, no. It took time. It took effort. It took energy. We need a priest. We need a man of God. You can let technology do it, but all you're going to do is make God mad. You need a man of God. You need somebody who's burdened under the weight of the word of God. Somebody who can't sleep at night. Somebody who gets up at five in the morning and says, I can't even sleep. I got to, it's in me. I got to get it out. There's a word for the people. There's a word for the people. There's a word that will set at liberty the captives Oh, that's why I wouldn't go to no church if there wasn't a preacher who knew how to preach the word of God we need a word we need a man of God that'll get under that weight that'll get under that weight you need it you need a priest. Let me tell you, men, in this house, your house needs a priest. Your home needs a priest. And God called you the priest of your home. And if you keep letting your wife get under that weight, you're going to be out of balance. But every man has to get under. If you want the glory in your home, if you want your children to have it, your wife can't bring it in for you, sir. You need a man of God. And if you're a single mother sitting in this room, then you need to make sure that your children are in the house of God and you need to say, preach it, preacher. You hear the man of God? And you get under that weight because the Bible said that Deborah got underneath that weight and the famine stopped when Deborah stood up. I pray there will be a release of Deborah in this room. If you got to do it, then do it. But somebody got to get this word out and get under it and say, let me feel the weight of it. Let me feel the weight in my family. Let me feel the weight in my children. Let me feel the weight in my future. We need a priest. Uh, got to have a man of God. We need a man of God. We, your home needs a man of God. Your children needs a woman of God. Your house needs a man of God to get under the weight and carry it. Uh, if you don't feel the burden today, then you're probably not making any headway. 
If you don't feel the burden today, then there's probably no glory in your home. If you don't feel the burden today, it's why your kids are messed up and they're going the opposite direction. If you don't feel the weight of it today, you got to feel the weight. But here's what he said. Let me follow you. Let me follow me for just a second. He said, they that bear the ark of the Lord, when they had gone six paces, they sacrificed oxen and fatlings. And David danced before the Lord with all of his might. And David was girded up with a linen ephod. Put it up there for me. 2 Samuel chapter 6 and verse 15 now. Verse 15, yeah. So David and all of the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. Can I tell you? That the priest can't do it by himself. <laughs> oh, y'all thought I was here today just to preach about me, won't you? Oh, no, 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 no. See, I can't do this by myself. No, no, no. The priest cannot carry it alone. The priest cannot take the Ark of the Covenant and march out alone. The Ark would go before the people. But the people had to follow. Yeah. The ark could not move without the congregation. And in David's time, it was no different. When the priest began to carry the ark, every six paces, they would have to stop and prepare a sacrifice. Get it right. Get it ready. You know what the number six represents in the Bible, do you? Do you know what the number six represents? The number six represents flesh. On the sixth day, God made man flesh. If you want the glory to come in, then we're going to have to deal with this old rotten flesh. The glory is not going to reside where the flesh is allowed to thrive. Let me say it again. The glory will not reside where the flesh is able and willing to thrive. But every six steps, they made a sacrifice. Every six steps, they killed something. Every six steps, something had to die. Because our flesh needs to die. Can I preach to you today? You know why you can't praise God the way you really need to praise God? It's because your flesh is in the way. If you didn't have that ego that you have, you'd already be praising God. If you didn't have that macho spirit on you like you have, you'd already be giving God glory. But your flesh needs to die so the glory can come in. The glory comes in when the flesh is destroyed. You know what the priest needs? The priest needs people who will kill the flesh. And the Bible says that not only did they sacrifice, but they brought the ark of the Lord up with shouting and the sound of the trumpet. Whoo! I can't preach this thing like I really want to preach this thing if you don't agree with me. That's right. You know how the glory comes into a church? The glory comes into a church when the preacher preaches and the church amens it. 
Yeah, something happened. Listen, you can work, you can worship with the music, you can shout with the music, and it'll feel good. But if you ever get behind the preacher, something's gonna happen in the spirit realm. When I say something good, you say amen. Preach it. I believe it. I receive it. When the pulpit and the pew make a connection in the spirit realm, God begins to do something miraculous in the house. We need to agree. The Bible said, out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let a thing be established. And when the priest make a proclamation, if the people will give an affirmation, God will do a demonstration. Every preacher that comes to this pulpit needs a church that'll preach them down. Preach, preacher. I receive it. I claim it. Say that again. Make it plain. And when you have that, when you have the priest and the praise, I can't do it if the church won't praise him. I can't preach it right if the church won't agree. I can't let the church say amen. Let the church say amen. I'm telling you this Sunday, this church will never be the same if we get a hold of this. Bible study will never be the same if we get a hold of this. The priest and the praise. When I preach a word of healing, if you need healing, say, I receive that, and you'll receive that. When I preach a word of release, if you need release, say, I, 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 I hear you, preacher. Preach it again. God will give you the release because there's a connection between the preacher and the hearer. The Bible said the same word in Hebrews chapter 4. The same word was preached unto them, but it profited them nothing, seeing as they did not mix it with faith. They had a preacher too, but they didn't say nothing back. They had a preacher too, but they wouldn't amen him. They had a preacher too, but they wouldn't believe, and they wouldn't agree. And the Bible said it did them no profit because they didn't mix it with faith. You know what you do in the church when the preacher starts preaching? I don't care if it's me, Pastor John. Listen, young people, even on a Wednesday night uh, over there in that building, when Pastor John or Brother Paulo or Brother Cody gets to preaching the word of God, you ought to get behind them. Preach, pre preach you, Pastor. Preach it. Get it. I promise you something will happen over there like it's happening right here, right now. And I don't care who comes to this pulpit and preaches the word of God. If you want to feel something, that's on you. Every preacher in this room knows what it feels like when the crowd is with you. You feel like you could preach the paint off the walls. You feel like, man, I, I didn't even think that message was that good. And all of a sudden, everybody started getting behind me. And something happened. And you hear a preacher say, I feel my help coming on. I feel my help. I felt something in the Holy Ghost. I feel my help. You know why? Because the people started talking back. The people said, that's right. That's right. Yeah, that's good. That's good. And when the people start talking back, can I help you today? This is not cultural. Be, be, be very careful right here. This is not cultural. It's, it, this is not cultural that, 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 that the preacher and the pew need to make a connect. The priest and the praise got to make a connection. It's, it's not just, well, that's the apostolic. That's the Pentecost. Y'all like to preach with your preacher. 
No, no, no. This is biblical. It is a word. It is a word of affirmation. Receiving a word of confirmation. It is, it is call and response. It is when the preacher says something that you agree with, you say something back to him. Even if it, I mean, you ain't got to get up and yell it, but if you want to get up and yell it, baby, get up and yell it. Listen, I've seen, I've been preaching in dead service, dead, 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 twice plucked up by the roots. Thought I was, I, I've had more response in a nursing home service. Dead, dead. And I've watched one person get up and say, my God, and just start running the aisles or something. And I watched the whole building come alive with response. Because there is a supernatural thing that happens when there is agreement in the spirit realm. We must agree. We must agree. I'm almost finished. Watch. I, I, I'll show you a prime example in the word. One of my favorite examples of this in the word is when the Lord told Joshua, said, Joshua, Here's what I want you to do for seven days. I want you to march around this wall. Seven days. And, and, and Joshua, you're going to get tired. But on the seventh day, I want you to march around that wall seven times. And on the seventh time, on that seventh day, once you get around, I want you to take the Ark of the Covenant, go first. And I want you to have seven priests. I want you to have seven priests in front of that. They shall bear before the ark seven trumpets of rams. He said on that seventh day when you can pass the city on the seventh time, the priest shall blow the trumpet. Let it be a sound. Let the priest proclaim it. Let the, I don't want no, nobody say nothing to the seventh day, seventh time around. And when we come around on that seventh time, I want you to have those seven priests with seven horns of rams blow the proclamation. Watch verse 5. And it shall come to pass when they... Make a long blast with the ram's horn. And when ye hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people will shout with a great shout. The priest blowing the trumpet can't move the wall. Can't do it. I can blow this trumpet every Sunday. I can preach this word to you Sunday in, Sunday out, Wednesday in, Wednesday out. You can watch online or you can come in the building. I can blow this trumpet all day. But if the people will get behind the priest, when the priest make a sound, let the trumpet blow in Zion. When the people hear it, if the people will shout, yeah, then the wall of the city will fall flat and the people shall go up 
What do you say? I'm saying that when the priests make a proclamation, if the people will give an affirmation, then God will do a demonstration. Come on, I feel the Holy Ghost in this room right now. Somebody shouted, yes, I believe it. Yes, I receive it. Come on, preacher, preach to me. I preach that you'll be healed. I preach your family will be healed. I preach your marriage will be healed. I declare your home's going to be saved. I declare your children are going to make it. I declare every prodigal is going to come back in the door. I blow the trumpet in Zion. I blow the trumpet in I proclaim that every cancer is going to die right now. I proclaim that diabetes is going to leave you right now. I proclaim that arthritis and rheumatoid arthritis leave your body right now. I proclaim it. What shall you say? What shall you say? What shall you say? What shall you say when you hear the trumpet blow? What shall you say? We're listening. We're listening for the sound of a trumpet. Oh, hallelujah. I wonder, Brother George, on that great getting up morning, when the Bible says, see, most people believe it's Gabriel. That's not what the Bible said. The Bible said that the Lord of hosts is going to put that trumpet to his lips. <laughs> that God himself is going to put that trumpet to him to his lips. He's going to sound the alarm over the sound of eternity in all ages. That one more trumpet sound is going to sound in the ears of all hearers. I wonder if the only people that get snatched up out of here are the people that will respond with a shout. I wonder if when we hear that trumpet, we say, yeah, Lord, that's for me. That's for me. That's for me in my house. That's for me and my children. That's for me and my family. Come on, church. We need somebody to get under the weight of the glory. But we got to have a church behind us going, go, 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 go. The priest need a praise the priest I gotta have some praisers in the house I gotta have some amenners in the house I gotta have some preacher preachers in the house I gotta have somebody that'll say yes I believe it yes I receive it it's mine it's mine it's mine it's mine it's mine that word is mine. That hope is mine. That peace is mine. That healing is mine. It's mine. I receive it. Call for the Holy Ghost here right now. Come on. Come on. Come on. The altars are already filling up. God, it's your time, Lord. I have sounded the trumpet. Who will shout? Who will shout? Who will shout? We don't need any music right now. Just wait for just a moment. Thank you. Oh! 
Come on, let a shout come out of your mouth. You may not even know what to shout about, but just let a shout come out. I receive it. I feel the Holy Ghost here right now. God is calling some of you into ministry. Right now, God is calling some of you into ministry because there's been a resounding yes. There's been a resounding yes. Some of God's healing some of you right now, healing your body, healing your mind, healing your spirit because there's been a yes in the spirit. Let the church say amen. Come on, True Temple, we can't do it. We can't do it with all this fanciness. We need a church that'll praise God. We need preachers that'll get under the word. That's what we need. Let the praises of the people be heard. I feel a release in the Holy Ghost. Whatever you need from the Lord, open your mouth and receive it. I feel a release in the Holy Ghost. Whatever you need in your life, lift your hands right now and say, Lord, I receive it right now. Healing in the room. Come on, restoration in the room. There's restoration in this house. I need a word, but I need a response to that word. I need to hear a word, but I got to respond to that word. That's a good word. Uh, we need to hear the sound of the trumpet and shout. Hey, Araraboso, Tayere Rabosi. Toyororoboso, Toyororoboha. Hey, Araraboso, Toyororoboha. Come on, I feel the Holy Ghost here. I feel the Holy Ghost here right now. There's something moving in the spirit realm. Something's happening. Somebody push through than what you normally push through. Pray past what you normally pray. Push past what you normally go. Push past what you normally do. And just push into that, that, that second dimension with the Holy Ghost and say, Lord, I'm not leaving until I get it. Uh, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, do you feel it moving? Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost.
Come on, God's looking for her people with a shout in their spirit. You ought to put a shout in your spirit and get a sword in your hand. We're going up. I say we're going up. Get a shout in your spirit and get a sword in your hand because the people are going up. The people are going up. Get a shout in your mouth. Get a sword in your hand because the people are going up. We're going up to take it. We shall take the city. We shall take the city. We shall take the city. Woo, yeah, Holy Ghost fall. Holy Ghost fall fresh. Holy Ghost fall fresh. Come on, the enemy tried to block us. The enemy tried to block us. The enemy tried to wipe some of us out in 2020, 2021. But I need you to get a shout in your mouth and a sword in your hand because we're going up. We're going up. We shall ascend. We shall ascend. We shall ascend. The enemy is terrified. The enemy is terrified. But God is glorified. Come on, let it ring out. We're going up. We're going up. The people. Come on. All the enemy can hear right now is the sound of war. It's the sound of war. It's the sound of war. It's the people uniting in one voice. It's the sound of war. It's the sound of war. We're going up to the high places and we're going to tear the devil's kingdom down and we're taking back everything that he stole. Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost. Ah. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Come on, for just a few more moments right here, would you lift your hands and would you lift your voice in this house and would you just declare, come on, give a word of affirmation. Give a word of affirmation. Give a word of affirmation. I receive it. Set us on fire, Holy Ghost. Set us on fire, Holy Ghost. Set us on fire, Holy Ghost. Let us shout, ring out, yeah!
Shout with the voice of triumph. Shout with the voice of praise. Shout with the voice of victory. Shout. Hear me. Hear me. If you'll play for me, baby. Key of C. Hear me. Ezekiel 33. Ezekiel 33, beginning in verse 3. It's not even in my notes really to preach this, but I... Brothers and the Holy Ghost, to, to, to bring to your attention today before we leave here. In, in Ezekiel 33, I, I'm pretty sure it's beginning in verse 3. The Bible says, if, if he, speaking of the watchman, if he sees the sword is going to come on the land, <clears throat> and he blows the trumpet as a warning, and, and those that hear the trumpet, they hear the warning, but they decide not to heed it. The Bible says that that man who heeded not the sound of the trumpet, that man's blood will be on his own head. Not, not the watchman, because the watchman blew that trumpet. Here's, here's what I need you to know, is that every time I come up to this platform and preach a word of God, it's not always going to be about victory. I, I'm going to stand here sometimes and I'm not going to preach about prosperity and I'm not going to preach about hope and I'm not going to preach about faith and I'm not going to preach about all the butterflies in your stomach. But sometimes I go come to this pulpit and I'm going to warn you. I got to warn you that, that Jesus is coming. I got to warn you, you got to get your house in order. I'm going to come up here and I'm going to I'm going to sound that trumpet. It's not going to it's not going to make you happy. It's going to make it's going to make you mad sometimes. You got to hear it. I'm going to have to tell you that you're not doing right. I'm going to have to tell you that if you don't get right, you're going to go to hell. I'm going to stand in this pulpit. I'm going to tell you that some things are just wrong. And we don't do those things. And I, I want you to respond to that trumpet like you respond to this trumpet today. Because my job, my job is to warn you as well. Sometimes I got to put that trumpet to my lips. And I got I to gotta tell you that what you're doing is wrong. You're not living right. I got to say, church, we're not going this way. I know the other people say it's okay, but the Bible says it's not. And we love the sinners, but we got to hate that sin. And I'm going to blow that trumpet in Zion. And I want you to hear it because I don't want your blood to be on your own head. 
You got you to gotta say amen to that trumpet too. You got to say preach it, pastor, to that trumpet too. You got to say thank you. Thank you, man of God. Thank you, man of God, for warning me. I didn't see I was about to step into a hole. Thank you for warning me. And I love you too much to only blow one trumpet. I love you too much. I'm, when I stand in this pulpit, I'm not a preacher. When I stand in this pulpit, I'm a, pulpit, I'm a pastor. That's why sometimes you, you watch online of me preaching at another event, and you're like, wow, pastor, I don't really preach like that at home. Look at him. Wow, he's out there preaching to this conference and that conference. You're like, oh, man, he, he must love them more than he loves us because look how good he's preaching there. I'm not, I, to them I'm just a preacher. And I can just preach when I'm there. But the being when I'm there, I just preach. I just preach. Because I'm not, I'm not, their souls are not counted to me. And I'm doing the work of an evangelist for the shorter. And I just preach. When I come here, I'm not a preacher, I'm a pastor. And I got more than one trumpet I got to blow here. I got some trumpets you're not going to like. But I promise you, the only reason I'm blowing that trumpet is because I know it's going to bless you. I know it's going to bring you out. I know it's going to prosper you. I know it's going to protect you. And I know if you listen to the trumpet, you're going to make it. And we'll walk into those pearly gates side by side holding hands saying we made it because we listened to the sound of the trumpet. I pray this word was an encouragement to you today. Thank you again for tuning in to Truth Chapel's podcast. If you have not yet, please take a moment and leave us a quick review. God bless and have a great rest of your day.